This parsha is Parshat Akev. In this parsha, you find we will find this coming week the second paragraph of the Shema. Yesterday we read the first paragraph of the Shema. This time we learn the second paragraph of the Shema. Interesting enough, in the two paragraphs of the Shema, it's written, "You should teach it to your children." Veshinantam levanecha. In the first paragraph of the Shema, Veshinantam levanecha, the rabbis translated. Talking about your student, that your students are your children. But in the second in the, in the second paragraph of Shema, it's written, "Vilimadetem otam et benechem ledaber bam." That's what we're going to read now, and this is referred to your own children. Let's read it. You want to read? Sure. You should teach them to your children to speak of them when you sit in your house. When you go on your way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Then this, it means teach them, teach that. But otam can also be, uh, when you, because it's written, Aleph, Taf, Mem, basically without the letter Vav in, inside, otam also can mean atem. atem. You yourself have to teach your children. We have the obligation to teach our children. Go to another condition, if you don't mind. What's that, though? Uh, the first yeah. on a couple yes. of Yes, yes, I should, we should feel something here. <laughs> uh, Rabbi, sorry, I have a quick question. No problem. So if we can go back to last week's Parsha. Yeah. Um, is, uh, I read somewhere that the first paragraph of Shema is said with like uh, a little bit differently. Than yes, the, the singular rest. and plural. The first paragraph of the Shema speaks to you as, a, you know, in Hebrew, it can be singular, it can be plural, also yeah. in English, but in, in every letter almost, mm-hmm. every word, I mean. First paragraph speaks to me. Thereafter, you should love your God, you should do this. Mm-hmm. The second paragraph speaks to the Jewish people as a whole. What we need to do as a, as, as a nation, as a, as a nation. Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between the first and the second. Okay. Read source number two, continue. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rav. Now comes a very interesting story about the high priest by the time of the end of the second temple. Rabbi, you know, the end of the second temple was not such a pretty time. The Jewish people didn't get along nicely. That's to say mildly the situation that it was. But there is, right before the end of the second temple was there a, a, a high priest. His name was Yehoshua ben Gamla. And this high priest is known for the special story that we're going to read now, for his special accomplishment. Who was Yehoshua ben Gamla? He was a Kohen, obviously, in a high priest. In that time, the, high, the priesthood was bought by money. What does this mean? To become a high priest is not, you had to be a Kohen, obviously, but who became the high, the high priest? How righteous you have to be? It wasn't enough to be righteous. You had to have connections. You have to be paid off. There was a famous rich woman in Jerusalem. Her name was Martha. And Martha paid the government to appoint Yeshua ben Gamla to be the, the high priest. They had a relationship of some sort? Yeah, later, she was a, a widow, and later he married her before he became high priest, because high priest cannot marry a widow. But he married her, and then he became high priest. Then many times people say, oh, he, was, he, he, got the, he, got the, he got the job for money. I mean, he pay, paid us off. He didn't pay for all. Somebody paid for but more than, But here, the Talmud brings down all other side about this person, actually praises him. Why? Because the Talmud always tells us what's the important things. Not what the gossip is, what's the important things in life. And this is something we have to, this story really teaches us this concept. Go ahead. Uh, truly, that, a, that person is remembered for good. Yoshua ben Gamla is his name. If not for him. Okay, we'll start. Stop. He's remembered for good. Zachul Atov. Who else in Judaism is remembered for good? It's not written about them remembered for good. No. Oh, uh, uh, Zavaya? Not Zavaya. The guy in Purim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chavona, yeah, beautiful. Chavona, that was good. Chavona was a non-Jew in the story of the Megillah. 
when Amen, Amen wanted to hang Mordechai on the tree, and when things turned around, and the king got angry with Amen, Chavona, and it was in favor of Mordechai, Chavona was in the room and told him, and by the way, king, Amen prepared a gallow to hang Mordechai on it. He gave him an idea. Yeah, and he said, hang him right. Then when we, in the prayer, when we say after the Megiddo reading, we say, Chavona is also remembered for good. He was in the right place at the right time. He did the right thing. Who else is written? One more person is written Zahola Tov. And you say it every time. No. 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 Every That's time when you bench. That's why I don't remember. Um, Eliyahu? Eliyahu Novi. Elijah the prophet. It's written Zahula Tov. Because he, was, he stood up against the the um, idol worshippers and so on. Yeah, that's right. Three people that I know, maybe there is another, a few others, a whole lot of in the, in, 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 in the Talmud. I'm not, I never claim to know everything. Mm-hmm. But, but that implies that, 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 that if it weren't for that particular thing, they wouldn't be remembered for good. No, it, re- it, it implies that there is something so special that they are remembered for good forever. But couldn't you say that about all the founding fathers and mothers? I'm going to start with this business, so I'm going say it about <laughs> everybody. This, the bottom line is, these are the three people. Elijah had ordered many good things, obviously. Chavon or not. You can, you can turn this around and say that's the only good thing. Yeah, maybe. But the bottom line is, it's written about them. And the, what I mean to say is we remember them in a good way. And it's a very unusual thing to write about. That's alone that you see it's only three people. Yeah, Chavon, like I said, that's the only good thing that he made. You can say it. The bottom line, we remember and forgot. This is the, but to, he's, he's in good company with Elijah. He's in good company, I can tell you that. <laughs> then, uh, okay, if not for him. If not for him, the Torah would have been forgotten from Israel. Initially. Well, wow. Well, <laughs> you you heard the statement? It's a huge statement, exactly. <laughs> if not for him, the Torah would be forgotten from Israel, exactly. Go ahead, initially. Initially, whoever had a father would learn Torah from him. And whoever did not would not learn Torah at all. Based on what verse did they say so? They interpreted the verse, you should teach them, Otam, to your children, to me, you yourselves, Atem, should teach. Atem should teach. You say, who's supposed to teach your kid Torah? You. He looks here, he looks there. <laughs> Look in the mirror, mister. You, I have to teach my child Torah. I have an obligation. If I can, I don't have time. I hire a teacher. But it's my obligation. It's not the government should teach my kids to give me education for education. The government should do this. I have to teach my kids Torah. Then what happened? Whoever did not have a father didn't have anybody to teach him Torah. An orphan did not have any, didn't, nobody was teaching him Torah. Continue. Steve. Then they instituted that schools be established in Jerusalem. Based on what verse? For Torah emerges from Zion, but still... the beginning of the quote. Uh, but still, whoever had a father, the father would bring him to Jerusalem to study. But whoever did not have a father didn't go. Then they instituted that schools be established in every region, and students would be enrolled at age 16 or 17. Okay, one second. That they decided to establish a sheikh, uh, schools in, in Jerusalem. Didn't Yaakov establish schools? They, means the Jewish, the, Jew, the Jewish people. Well, how's this relating to uh, Yeshua ben God? Wait, 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 wait. Then they were, they, they established to uh, Yeshiva's Echaders uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's written, Kimitzion Tetzetorah. The Torah has to come, come out from Zion. Zion is responsible. Zion is Jerusalem. Zion is responsible. The Torah should come out from there. Jacob, didn't he establish that? Yeah, everybody established a little bit, but in a more organized way. You need to understand, in Jewish history, it was ups and downs, ups and downs. Now, this is in the time of the Second Temple. That was in, a, in such an organized way that in every place it's written about Chizkiyo, the prophet, uh, the king Hezekiah, that in his time, every child was learning Torah. Then there were, obviously, in Jewish history, there were times, there were, as I said, ups and downs. But in, in the Second Temple... That was the organized way, little by little. It tells you how, how it evolved, you understand? How 
Jewish education evolved. Well, that's an amazing thing, because at the time, everything else was getting corrupted. And, and, and still, they were teaching Torah, exactly. And then they, they organized it. Because they, then people, people who, had, who had parents took the children, the kids were older, they brought them to Jerusalem. What it will be with people who don't have parents? That they made it in every city, in every place should be a yeshiva, right? For 16 and 17 year old boys. Fine. Then what happened? Continue. However, if a teacher grew angry at a student, he would rebel and leave. By this, when you sent him to yeshiva when he's 16 and 17, you're, he didn't learn until this age because he didn't have a father. It's too late. Way too late. Okay, so I have to ask you a question. This is a, a yeah. question. However, if a teacher grew angry at a student, he would rebel and leave. The, the student, student, the, the, student, the student, <laughs> not the teacher, the student. <laughs> this state of affairs continued until Yehoshua ben Gamla came and instituted that schools be established in every province and in every town and children would be enrolled at age six or seven. Education for all started not in America 100 years ago. It started by Yeshua ben Gamla 2,000 years ago. In every city, in every place should be a school, and kids who are six years old, first graders, should go and learn Torah. That was Yeshua ben Gamla. Why at age six? Because until six, the child needs his mommy. That's what I thought. Yes. Wasn't that basically like when they started weaning? Yes. I mean, I mean until, until six, that, that was the extreme, but yes. Right, but I, th I thought... Interesting, though, at the beginning, they did it at 16. Yeah, they, they, that was only basically for kids who did not have... They relied on the parents. The parents will teach him until he's 16, 17. Then the parent does not have... A, cannot teach him anymore. He goes to yeshiva. Or the, but the orphans... They go by the age of, you start by the age of 17, they will learn Torah, they will not learn anything. They don't want to learn, they start to start to learn Torah at this age. Then he said, because of the children who will not have a father to teach them at home, they should have somebody to teach them. Then this is a Talmudic story. Look how the Talmud is choosing to teach from, a, to, read, to write about a person. Oh, he was, we bought the job for money. That's all nonsense. What he made a different, a dent. He made a, a influence the world. What he, you understand? That's what counts. That this the story was written probably 300 years after it took place. And the rabbis wrote, chose what stories to write about which person. They look from the perspective of history and they say, what is the important part I want to share with you? So, Rabbi, it, it, this is, this is with, with the Romans in place right now. Yes, the Romans in place. How did Gadol have influence to set up all these things, given the influence of the Roman government versus the... the because it was still the Roman government at that point, probably, they, they didn't mind this thing, to, if you learned Torah. The, the, the problem was the rebellion against the Romans. They gave the Jews a lot of Torahs, but not necessarily, not all the time was about Judaism. You understand? That they pay, it was dependent on the place, dependent on the city, the, it was dependent on many things, on the governor so and so on. It's really an amazing feat. Then, that, that they did. Huge it's not the Romans, the, the Jews did That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment, sure. Okay, you want to read? Uh, yeah, please. Torah should not be forgotten. The Talmud states that Yeshua ben, ben Gamla is remembered for his good deeds because he instituted that teachers be set up in every single town to teach Torah. If not for him, Torah would have been forgotten. Obviously, he was very deserving of praise and was therefore mentioned in the Torah, the oral Torah, which will preserve his name for eternity. He's preserved his name for eternity. Think about it. Forever and ever, we are sitting here 2,000 years later, and we know about Yeshua ben Gamla. Why? Because of this action. He was a high priest. He was not written. He was a scholar from the Talmud. He was a high priest. But he's remembered for this. Continue. The Talmud gives us more details. It's not that Jews didn't fulfill the commandment to teach their children until the advent of Yehusha. Yehusha. Yehoshua. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just say Joshua. Joshua ben Gamla. God forbid to imply such a thing, especially about the temple era. As the Talmud cites the verse, for Torah emerges from Zion. When Joshua mm -hmm. ben Gamla served there as high priest, 
Rather, fathers indeed taught their children, but those who had no father didn't have the opportunity to learn. The, the record of people were teaching the children Torah. There was no question. It wasn't something like nobody was doing it. Only the orphans had a problem, you understand? Who had a problem? You want to continue? Uh, <clears throat> this doesn't seem to be a situation in which Torah will be forgotten. One is obligated to teach his child when he is a minor under bar mitzvah, when he is too young to educate himself. Most children of that age had living fathers, especially during the temple era, when God's blessings were more revealed than during times of exile. So the state of affairs, for the most part, was that Jewish children were learning Torah from their fathers. Furthermore, the Talmud adds that... Then most of the parents, most of the kids learn from the fathers, right? Every parent, that's obligation, that's written for Moses. Every parent has to teach his kids. Then you're talking only about a specific, and most of the kids have parents, right? That's the natural way. In the time of the temple, there were miracles, there were more blessings. Most of the kids were, were had parents when, when they were little children. Then you're talking about a very small percentage in the community. Altogether, continue. Furthermore, Furthermore, the Talmud adds that when the plight of the orphans became apparent, they appointed teachers in Jerusalem based on the verse, for Torah emerges from Zion, and this school attracted students from all over the land of Israel. If so, there was no reason to assume that Torah was about to be forgotten. Exactly, because they were... It was even a yeshiva in Jerusalem. You, the kid did not have a father, or even if he has a father, he wants to go, he can go to Jerusalem by the age of 16 or 17. Rabbi, so the, the, the statement, plight of the orphans, became apparent, suggesting that were there sort of more wars and more orphans were created because of this? Like, is, is it because of the more orphans? It may be there was the trigger, the orphans were the trigger for, for making this. For this okay. But... But it, it influenced everybody, you understand? Right, right, it started because of the orphans. Right, I was asking, did, 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 the orphan, did more orphans happen because of the war? I understand, I understand this question. Maybe, maybe, okay. even that in general, it was, I think it was quite a few years, maybe I would say 10 years before the destruction or more. Right. I'm not necessarily that was around this time. I don't know if that was already such a war that made more orphans, and that's why they did it. And the war was... What was all over Israel, that's a short. Maybe Romans were doing something to, I don't know, enslave fathers. No, what they, the Romans did whatever. is the Roman culture was so strong, it was so influential, oh, that everybody wanted to be an American. <laughs> everybody wanted to go to college. Everybody wanted to do everything that the Romans do, not what the Jewish people do. I, it I was much America. more attractive. That so, was the problem. So if your father decided to be more of a Roman... And, and and didn't want to teach you, thought it was out of... It's not cool. It's not cool. Would that child be considered an orphan? If, that's my point. Because of this, everybody already went to Haida. The moment they established schools, that, that saved everybody, not just... But the cause for it was the orphans. That's, that's what the, the Rebbe points out. Continue. Furthermore... No, the, the Talmud adds yet more. Students would be enrolled at age 16 or 17, apparently, to allow the child to be self-sufficient before being sent away from home. But as a result, students were also old enough to rebel. Mm -hmm. Clearly, students were studying Torah bef long before Yehoshua ben Gamla, uh, both children with fathers and children without fathers, because they had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem with the exception of those who rebelled. Then, basically, almost everybody had a chance to learn Torah. Continue. Um, yeah. It was under those conditions that Yehoshua uh, Ben Gamla instituted the teachers to be um, up in every... Set up. Set up in every region and every city, and the children began their education at the age six or seven instead of waiting until they were 16 or 17. Then came a shop in Gamla to save this small percentage of, of, of orphans who don't like to start to learn Torah by the age of 16 or 17. He said, if for them alone, he established the concept they should be in every city, should be a school. Nonetheless, the Talmud attributes this enactment to having saved not rebellious students students and orphans who didn't have anyone to bring them 
to Jerusalem and to have saved the entire Torah from being forgotten. This tells us how important it is to educate a child from age six or seven. It will impact not only the child and his family and community, it will ensure that the Torah is not forgotten from the entire Jewish people. Then this tells us how important the Rebbe wanted to point out. This old talk was given and came to visit by the Rebbe, the, one of the presidents of Israel. His name was Zalman Shazar. He came from a Hasidic family. But he became Zionist. I mean, before he, became, he left Judaism, basically. He wasn't a religious man in, in a daily life. And, but later in his life, and he became, when the state of Israel was established, he was the first minister of education in Israel. And he established and he helped to shape Jewish, the education of the Jewish children in Israel in, in, in good ways. And he helped also to make the, the more religious schools, to, to give them permission. And, to, then, and that was the last time, that was in 1973 already. It was, and then he became the president of Israel. That was the last time he was by the Rebbe. And I think the Rebbe wanted to tell him, he was a man who had only one child, and the child was a, a, a sick child. And the Rebbe, I think, I think, that's my commentary. The Rebbe wanted to tell him that he will be remembered for good. You understand? And the Rebbe took the story of Yeshua ben Gamla and to tell him that anybody who is doing, is dealing with Jewish education and established Jewish education, he is will be remembered for good forever. And I can tell you that this, at least this president, at least in Chabad, is remembered forever. So it's the same concept of just saving one Jew is the most important thing. No, no, especially in education, especially when you do it to many Jews. See, Yeshua ben Gamla didn't do it for one Jew. He did it for many, of many course. kids. Continue. Uh, Even in a good Jewish home. Moreover, the Alter Rebbe points out in the laws of Torah study that according to the laws mentioned in the Talmud, a child is inculcated. Incul Created with many elements of Judaism even before he begins to study at age six or seven. It means to say a child, even before his formal Jewish education, we already teach him Judaism. For, we will continue. When? When he be begins to speak at age two, he is taught to recite the verse of Torah. Torah Tziva. Right? Everybody knows the song Torah, Torah, Torah. And the Talmud tells us that by the age when the child starts to learn, the first line that you teach him is Torah Tziva Lanu Moshe Morasha Kilat Yaakov. It's an amazing line. The line says that the Torah is an inheritance to every Jew. That's what you tell a child when he just begins to speak. The Torah is yours. Continue. And then... In other verses by heart. At four years of age, he is taught the letters to accustom himself to reading Torah. The Alter Rebbe points out that in those days the Holy Tongue was commonly spoken and children did not need to learn the meaning of the words. They needed only to be taught how to read because the writing in those days was like our Torah scrolls without vowel. Then basically they were taught how to read because the language was Hebrew. Then you didn't have to teach them the language. You just had to teach them how to read because... In the Torah, in, in, when you take out, you, you look in the Torah, you get under there, you see it's, there is no vowels, there is no punctuation, there is no nothing. You have to teach the kids how to read. What is this meaning? But they already knew it. Well, but continue. In other words, the Talmud tells, tells us that despite the fact that children were inculcated with Judaism by their parents from age two, the absence of an organized system of learning from age six or seven the future of Torah in, in jeopardy. Even they already learned new psukim, they knew verses, they know how to read Hebrew, they learned how to read, basically. But if you, there is no school, you jeopardize Judaism. In our days, continue. In our days, it is even more important for a child to study Torah from his father. The father must first study Torah himself, and it's easier to deal with a child than to deal with the father. <laughs> God, right. It's far easier to encourage a child here. to strengthen his Judaism than to influence someone who is already set in his ways for many years. Yeah, then he said, because who was supposed to teach the kids Torah? The parents, right? What do you do if the father never learned? What are you going to do now? Go teach the father. The father should teach the child. It's a long, it's a long shot. 
can I, you, until the father will learn, then, then you know, the father is busy with business and this or this, the, the child will go up at the same time. It will be too late to teach him Torah. Yeah, but why is there no mention of mother? It's like father, 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 father. Because the mother is not obligated to teach him Torah. Because she's not obligated to learn Torah, she's not obligated to teach Torah. The reality is the first few years of your life, of the child's life, the mother is the one to teach him Torah Tziva, the mother is the one who gives him education. But the obligation is on the father. Yeah. The short answer is, so the mother gets no credit for it. So. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. The mother gets plenty of credit in Judaism. I don't think that the mother doesn't get credit, but it's, I guess, the mother is the one that's at home with the child, and even though that she's not obligated... She's the one who's doing she's it. She's the one that's yeah. doing all the teaching. Yes. Yet, when it comes to reading Torah, the women are not allowed to read from the Torah. They're allowed. They're not allowed to read together with men. The same... They can, okay. You can go open a Torah scroll and start to read from it, in essence. We, well, then how come, then how come girls... It's not an aliyah, not, not in a minion. Not in a minion together with men. It's another problem, but it's not, it's not that women cannot learn Torah. Well, that's a good thing, because I'm here. Yeah, exactly, actually, actually, <laughs> yes. But I thought that was why women don't have bat mitzvahs, or why, because women... The women have bat mitzvahs. Your daughter had a bat mitzvah, if I remember correct, oh God, right here, this year. Last night, I'm barely here right now. <laughs> you thought that the party was just last night? Yeah, we finally had her party. Oh, she had her bat mitzvah in November. I, that's what right. I'm saying. But, yeah, I just saw yesterday her picture. Had, we just had her party last night, so our house mm-hmm. is full of balloons. Jordan had his party <laughs> the previous week. I'm oh, yeah, every, every week you make here. a party. <laughs> I'm barely here What's right next now. Week? Um, so. She had a bat mitzvah, but she didn't, we don't read from the Torah because... Right. Because in a minion, you need to have 10 men for the reading of the Torah. And so when if you have, we had no men at, at all at, at, this, at her if she wants, service, yeah. she could have read from, in the, essence, yes, from the yes, Torah. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Yes, yes, she can read from the Torah. She can get up and open it and read from it. Nobody will stop her. Yes, she's allowed to read it. Okay. Yeah? I'm still, okay. You're allowed to read it, but it doesn't make you a bigger Jew if you know how to read from the Torah, you read from no, the original Torah. And all of them, like, hey, hey, who here, know, who here is reading from the Torah? None of them know how to read from the Torah. <laughs> he is a bar mitzvah boy. He's always a bar mitzvah boy. <laughs> the ultimate bar mitzvah boy. So are the women, the mothers, teaching... The mothers, actually, God entrusted the mothers with the education of the Jewish children. Of children, period. With the obligation right. on the men. That, because on, men need obligation. I'll give you another example. Because Having women, children... Women innately do it. We don't need to be told... Exactly. It's, it's just it's for the same reason, like, we don't have to wear our head covering. Exactly. We just... We're higher than y'all, just saying. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And every, for, every man will agree, you know. Uh, yeah. Cheers. We, we just you don't want to hear about you it. Win. <laughs> Actually, they hear about no, it. We're we taught to we, say we you win, win, you know. So don't worry about no, it. No, you know, one, quite a few times people come to complain to me that I speak only in the favor of the women's side, and I never, I never said that the men are also worth anything. Right. I'll tell you another example. Men are obligated to have children. Women are not. Because we just. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Then where guy comes the obligation, wherever you need to make it. It's it's interesting though. If if that's the situation, if you go back to the Adam and Eve, it's Eve is the one that did the big sin first, and yet somehow we're still. Because Eve, by nature, was supposed to be above Adam, she used it in the wrong the the power in the wrong way. But she was the one that, why Adam listened to her? Adam said to God, I, li- uh, I the wife that, the woman. to listen to their wives. Oh, it was by God. <laughs> no, Adam said, the woman made me do it. What kind of an excuse is the this? Because, the woman you gave me, why, why it was an excuse? Because that was meant to be. She it was supposed to listen to her. And that's why women light candles, because the, the Zohar says, they bring life to the world. And candles, the flame, fire represents life. And when she lights candles, 
she makes the Rosbrand, she prolongs the Rosbrand's life. That's written. And he lives longer, and because of this, she also lives longer. That's a special thing that the women have. They bring down the light of God to the world. Chava, in Hebrew, Eve is Chava. Comes to the world, Chai, Chaya. She brings life to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Chava? Chaya. Chaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she had a bat mitzvah party, finally. Okay. Rabbi, not to change subject, I just got a quick question. So this this rabbi, um, yeah, Shua Ben Gamla. At that time, the high priest had what kind of power? It sounds like he had like enough power to institute all these schools. So he had kind of political power, or I don't think religious. I I think it was more religious power. I don't think he had political power, Mm -hmm. but he made it happen. Exactly. Right. Not only this, the Rebbe points out later that he was he himself, a high priest cannot leave Jerusalem. That he can say, what's my problem? I'm busy in Jerusalem. I have enough thing to worry, you know, to run the right. whole the temple operation. It's, it's a big business. That's a huge... Everyone wants a piece. You know how these things go mm-hmm. in a big place like this. And he was busy with a small shtetl in Israel that they don't have a teacher. Right. There is the rabbi of the community should worry about that. They should worry about that. Excuses why not? He, he will, everybody says he's busy. The high priest is busier than everybody, right? And he made it his business to go from place mm-hmm. to place to teach Torah. To make sure, no, not to go, to make sure the Torah is being taught in other places. Continue. Mm-hmm. What was reading it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then the father. Then the father lacks this awareness and then the environment is not a Jewish one, and then the child needs to be taught not only vowels, but even the alphabet of Judaism. They need to ensure the Torah not forgotten, not, not be forgotten is so much greater. We cannot uh, suffice with uh, yeshivas for 16 and 17 year old. Mm-hmm. We cannot rely on the fact that the child's father had a grandfather who observed Torah and its commandments. It's our obligation to be mindful of Yeshua Ben Gamla's enactment for which he is eternally remembered. The teachers be said in every region, in every town, even towns Yeshua Ben Gamla never personally visited due to his role as a high priest who must dwell in Jerusalem, as Maimonides states. Jerusalem already had schools for those who could not learn from their fathers, but he is still motivated to enact the rule which remains in effect until this every day and obligates every single Jewish community to establish schools in every single region in every single city. That means to say like this, you ensure when God came to make the rule, Jerusalem had a yeshiva. Every other city had yeshivas for all the kids. Then he could say, the city, Jerusalem is okay. I'm busy. And he made a new rule that in every place in Israel has to be a school. And until today, code of Jewish law is that every place, every community is obligated to make sure that there is a Jewish day school. And it's obligation of people who are 97 and don't have children or grandchildren in the city to pay money to make sure every Jewish child has, has a Jewish education. And it's obligation of the Jewish leadership, the, lead, the leaders, the rabbis, the Beidin, everybody has to make sure to, to happen. Kind of, you're not, if I remember correct, you're not allowed to live in a city that does not have a Jewish, a Jewish uh, day school. Mm-hmm. That's how strong it is. So I missed some piece of the age of 16. Why was it at 16? No, they, they established a yeshiva in Jerusalem for kids who are 16. If, if, they, if the parents, if somebody who did not have a parent, and he, they, they should send him to some, nobody can teach him that there is a, a school that can teach him Torah. Why did they not choose 13 since that's the... Um, because they were still young to send them out of town. They was young. Oh. Too young. Yet that's still supposed to be the age of becoming an adult. An adult is one thing. Sending him out of town is another thing. To send him in Jerusalem by himself. You don't want to send 12-year-old children outside. Judaism was very worried about the well-being of the child. Not, and that's why we started from the age of six, not earlier. Today, by the age of three months, they drop him off in the daycare centers. Hmm. Right. That was not the, 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 the story at that time. Okay, you want to continue? We are all Yeshua Ben Gamla. We are all 
We are all Yeshua ben Gamla. You understand that? Go ahead. Yeshua ben Gamla's deeds aren't remembered merely as a nice tale. It is a part of the Torah, i.e. it is a directive for our own lives. A person must endeavor to do everything possible to fulfill this enactment in his community and in every city in which he has some form of influence, even a place where, which he never visited. Now, the Alter Rebbe explained that the commandments of the Torah are written in a form which can be interpreted both as a commandment and as a promise. Indeed, the commandment to teach our children can be interpreted both ways as well. This is only a question of your will. It's a commandment and a promise. means if you will do it, Hashem will help you that you'll be successful. That's what it means. This is only a question of your will. If you truly desire it, God will help you succeed in fulfilling this commandment, not only to teach your own children and not only to teach many other students, but also to carry out the enactment of Yeshua ben Gamla. In every city where Jews live, investigate whether there is also a Jewish school for children of age two to learn the verse Torah Tziva, and then the Aleph base. As we said earlier, these need to be included into the child at the earliest possible age. The endeavor to emulate Yeshua ben Gamla will surely succeed with God's help, and we will merit to be counted among those who are remembered for good for eternity. Then the Rebbe is basically saying, I, heard the, I saw a video of this talk with such fire, with such excitement, and he speaks about, the, basically the Rebbe's life was dedicated to Jewish education for kids and for adults. And he did what Yeshua ben Gamla did in a much bigger way. He sent Chabad rabbis everywhere all over the world and encouraged other day schools. And anything, anybody and any on the, there is, a, I just saw a story about a guy who was, came from Cleveland actually. He came to New York. He saw the Rebbe walking on the street, it was the early years, it was probably in the 50s. That he was talking to a friend, he said, who is this? The Rebbe was like, you can see, you can see somebody unusual is walking on the street. He said, this is Lubavitch Rebbe. He says, can I go over to say? He said, if you want to go, go. Came over to him and said hello to him. He stopped him on the street, said hello. So I'll be asking for you, you live in Cleveland. Okay. He says, in Cleveland? Oh, I know that there is a, they're trying to build a mikveh in Cleveland and uh, it's not done. You should do something about it. He says, Rebbe, I'm a private person. I, I have a job there. I live in the Rebbe told him, look, I'm living in New York and I'm concerned about the mikveh in Cleveland. You should be much more concerned. Basically, the Rebbe forced him to promise that he's going to walk to walk in the mikveh in Cleveland. Then he comes back to his friend, he tells him, to the Lubavitch Rebbe, you don't just say hello. You, just, you say hello, you get the job. <laughs> you understand? And this is exactly, the Rebbe, whoever he met, he gave him a job, a Jewish job. You better do this. You never, wherever you sit, you doesn't say, oh, how are you? That's what the Rebbe said here. It's not a nice story about your shop in Gamble. The, the Talmud is not a storybook. All people think, oh, there's legends from the rabbis. It's such a beautiful story. And then we go home to sleep and we eat a nice, a little bit of cholent and the kiddush and then we go home. It's a call for action. Why the Talmud, you know how hard it was to write at that time in parchment and ink? It was so hard to write 1,700 years ago. And they copied the two generations because they wanted to teach us how important this job is. I remember once on Purim, the Rebbe was speaking about Jewish education on a big event for Brengen. And he said about, there is hundreds of thousands of Jewish, or tens of thousands of Jewish children in New York alone, Jewish children, and do not get any Jewish education. And who is doing something about that? And the Rebbe said, there is, the, the, the Jewish kids are called, in the Book of Lamentation, Amesuloim Bapoz. They are precious more than gold. Paz is the more refined gold. And the Jewish kids are more precious than the most refined gold. It says there's a hundred, tens of thousands of Jewish children who are, who are more than precious gold, precious more than the most refined gold, and nobody's doing anything. That's, that's something that didn't, didn't let them sleep. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why he spoke about that. Now, now comes another talk from the Rebbe, from another story in the Talmud, with the same, basically the same message. Go ahead. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. Ah, do it yourself. Reish Lakish. Lakish. Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish was demarcating the burial caves of the sages. When he arrived at Rabbi... He was busy going to make sure, you know, in the olden days, things were not so organized. And depends which city. And he went to, he put marks on the graves of the righteous that Cohen's cannot walk there. Hmm. That 
the righteous shouldn't be the cause for coins to do a sin, so to speak, to become impure. When he arrived at Rabbi Chaya's cave, the exact location... In the olden days, he used to bury in caves, you understand? The exact location of his grave eluded him. Reish Lakesh became distressed. He said, Master of the Universe, did I not analyze the Torah like Rabbi Chaya? A divine voice emerged and said to him, You analyzed the Torah like him, but you did not disseminate Torah like him. He said Rish Lakish was a great scholar. He was a Balchuva Rish Lakish. He was once a gladiator. And once he, joined, he met his friend, he was in Heider. He went to school. Then he became a gladiator. I think he was an orphan or something. Then one day he met his friend from, from Heider, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan was a very, he was the author of the Jerusalem Talmud, a very beautiful person. He looked beautiful. And they, he met him by, he came, he came to wash himself at the river and he met Rabbi Yochanan. And he told Rabbi Yochanan, oh, you're so beautiful. Your beauty should be given to women. No, no, it was like this, I'm sorry. Um, Rabbi Yochanan saw Rish Lokish. He told them, he, he saw the gladiator, he told them, you, you, uh, Rabbi Shlokish gave a jump on the water from the one side of the river to the other. That Rabbi Yochanan looked at him and says, you are so strong, you should use the strength for Torah, for learning Torah. That he gave him back, he told them, oh, okay. you're so beautiful, you should be, your beauty should go to women. Hmm. That Rabbi Yochanan tells him, I have a sister who's more beautiful than me, and if you want to learn Torah, I'll convince her to marry you. And that's what he did. Rishlokish and Rabbi Yochanan became inseparable. And he became a great scholar. That he, among of the mitzvahs that he did, he went, went to mark the, the, burial, the burial sites. And he says to God, I cannot find Rabbi, Rabbi Chia's burial site. Rabbi Chia was a, a great scholar who came from Babylon, came to Israel at a very hard time in his... Uh, you know, the Israelis did not like the Babylonians so much. They were not so nice to, to, the, to the immigrants even maybe because the Babylonians were richer, whatever the reason was. And he, and he, had, he got a lot of uh, abuse for being a Babylonian. But he, then he became an unbelievable scholar and a great righteous man, very righteous man. Then he says to God, I'm not good enough. I cannot find, I, I didn't teach Torah. I didn't analyze the Torah. I learned Torah so much as Rabbi Chia. says, yeah, you were learning Torah, but you were not teaching Torah like Rabbi Chia. Okay, what does the... Continue. When Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Chia would debate Torah, Rabbi Hanina would say to Rabbi Chia, you debate with me? If, heaven forbid, the Torah were forgotten from Israel, I would restore it with my powers of analysis. Basically, I can figure out from one thing to the other, I can bring it back. I'm such a genius that the Torah is a system, rules. By the rules, you can figure out one thing from the other. If the Torah be forgotten, I can, re I can rewrite it, so to speak. Such a great genius I am. Continue. Rabbi Chia said to Rabbi Hanina, you debate with me, I assure that the Torah will not be forgotten by the Jewish people. Says you, you said if the Torah will be forgotten, I can bring it back. I made sure the Torah will not be forgotten. The problem should never happen. How he made sure, here comes the, the, the interesting part. What do I do? I sow flax seeds, twine nets with flax, with the flax, hunt deer and feed their meat to orphans. Yet, next I prepare parchment from their hides and write the five books of the Torah on them. I go to a city and teach five children the five books, one book per child, and I teach six children the six orders of the Mishnah. And I say to them, until I return, read each other the Torah and teach each other the Mishnah. This is how I act to ensure that the Torah will not be forgotten from the Jewish people. Indeed, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi said, how great are the deeds of Rabbi Chaya. Then what Rabbi Chaya did, he went and he basically, he cut the deals, slaughtered them, took the skin, made from it parchment. All of this he did himself. From the parchment, he wrote, wrote the Torahs, and then, then he went and he taught four, five kids, every child, another Chumash, another book from the Bible, and he made them teach each other. And that's how he made sure the Torah, you know, it's like somebody will tell you, if you will be poor, I'll make you rich again. So you know what? I'll make sure, the other guy comes and says, I'll make sure you're never poor. You understand? This guy says, I would bring the Torah back. He says, I made sure the Torah will never be forgotten. You don't wait for the Torah. You're preemptive. And that's what Rabbi did. Now, the Rebbe analyzes the story. 
Go ahead. The great works of is it Chaya or Chia? Chia. Rabbi, regarding Rabbi Chia's work to spread Torah, you did not disseminate Torah like him. The Talmud says in his name that he ensured that Torah would not be forgotten, and it was said at the time, how great are the works of Chia. What the Rabbi Chia's special conduct, what was Rabbi Chia's special conduct? Rabbi Chia himself related. What do I do? I sow flax seeds. I twine nets with the flax. I hunt deer and feed their meat to the orphans. Next, I prepare parchment from their hides and write the five books of the Torah on them. I go to a city and teach five children the five books, one per child, and I teach six children the six orders of the Mishnah. And I say to them, until I return, read each other the Torah and teach each other the Mishnah. This is how I ensure that the Torah will not be forgotten by the Jewish people. All right, this is the story. That's what he did. Okay, um... You want to continue? Uh, <clears throat> this was Rabbi Chia's response to Rabbi Hanina, who asserted that he he could bring back the entire Torah with the power of his, his analytics. If God forbid, the Torah would be forgotten. Rabbi Chia told him, you are arguing with me. You are arguing with me. I ensured that Torah should not be forgotten in the first place. And the Talmud concludes by praising him. How great are the works of Chia. Now, Rabbi Chia was occupied with his own study of the Torah. As a student of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the compiler of the Mishnah, he com compiled the Baraita. As the Talmud says, any Baraita which isn't taught in the study hall of Rabbi Hia and Rabbi Oshia should not be used as a reference because they compiled all Baraitas and carefully scrutinized the words of each sage. Basically, Rabbi Hia was very busy with putting together the Jewish learning, Talmud. See, he was a disciple of Rabbi Yudha the priest. Rabbi Yudha the priest, the, the, no, Rabbi Yudha the prince, that's, I'm sorry. Rabbi, uh, it, it was called Rabbi. Rabbi Yudha the prince was, he was the man who dared to change Judaism forever. See, in the beginning of Jewish history, when the God gave the Torah, the written Torah should be written. You must write it down. And you cannot really... Read it by yourself, repeat it to yourself by art, say it by art. From the text, you have to read it from the text, so to speak. The commentary to the Bible, you were not allowed to write it down. Only by art. For many reasons. God wanted that the commentary should be taught by art, because then every parent will feel an obligation to teach his kids, because if he doesn't teach him, he forgets. You understand? He forgets. Mm -hmm. It will be forgotten. If you, if you know, let's say, you have a tradition from your family, and you know that's not written anywhere. You tell your child, this is the way we did it. If you will not remember it, nobody will remember. Then you teach it to your children always. That's one reason. The other reason was maybe God wanted that the, when you teach it, when you teach your child, let's say the Ten Commandments, you were at Mount Sinai, and you teach it to your child, it's a life. You give him the experience. If everything is written in a book, you tell them, here is the book, go learn it. A book is a dead thing. The experience comes only from a teacher to student, from a parent to child. The bottom line is you were not allowed to write down the Torah. The oral tradition, the, old, uh, the Talmud, everything. Came Rabbi Yudha, the priest, and he said it was a time that was after the destruction of the Second Temple, after the Bar Kokhva revolution. It was terrible. The situation was very bad. He says, if we don't write it down, everything will be forgotten. He broke the law. He said there is, he quoted from a, a line from the book of Psalms, then there is a time to do for the Jewish, for the Torah, to disobey the law. There is a time to do for God, to disobey the law. Now I tell people always, don't take it home. They say, oh, I hate to disobey the law because I hate it for God. Rebbe, with his authority, was the leader of the Jewish people, was a very rich man. He did it. And history proved that he was right. Rabbi Chie was the a chief disciple of Rebbe. Rabbi wrote, put together the Mishnah, Rabbi Chia put together the Braita. The Braita are the Mishnahs who didn't make it to the Mishnah. Didn't make it to the book. Say that again? I was asked what I was going to ask you. What's the Braita? Braita means the outside. The outsiders. Okay. The Mishnahs who did not make it into the official book of Mishnah. And Mishnahs is? Mishnah are the, code of Jew the original f uh, level of code of Jewish law. Are those, like, is that the 
No, no. Mitzvahs is what you do. Okay. There is the Bible, and there is the and the Mishnah is the first book after the Bible, if you want. That explains explains how how a Jew should live his life. Okay. You understand what to do. So the the, the Bible is the, the, the Torah encompasses all of it. Right? So the Torah, when you say the Torah is, is a general name and a particular name. The Torah is like New York City, New York State. New York can be a city, can be the, two, the same name for two things. The Torah could be the five books of Moses, could be the 24 books of the Bible, and could be everything. Could be the Talmud, the, the Mishnah in the Talmud, and, and tradition, and, and Kabbalah, and Hasidus, everything. Okay, so the five books of Moses are the... That's the original. It's the, it's, it's the story of... Old Testament, right? It's, uh, the That's the old, the, the old Testament, yes. Okay, so... The only Testament. From, from Genesis. <laughs> I agree. Uh, uh, Genesis. Right. I agree. Torah. Yeah, right. Right. yes. That's what you see the Torah in the synagogue. That's what it is. Okay, so now, we cannot learn, we cannot do things by... If, you would, if I would only need the five books, know the five books of Moses, I, wouldn't, I would not know how to practice it. It's not complete. It's like short writing. It's written things there. There is thousands of examples. Every mitzvah there is not written completely. That's the time where the Mishnah tells us how to do it. That's the laws. Okay. And sometimes there is this different of opinion. The Mishnah says this is the opinion of the rabbis, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yuda, and so on. So when we read the, the books of Moses, then it's kind of the, it's the, the family life and the going to yeshivas and the schools is where we learn the laws and Exactly, so exactly. Very good. Yeah, from learning read the five books of Moses, you'll not know how to be a Jew. If you're on the moon going with Jeff Bozes, what's his name? Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Bezos, Mr. Bezos. <laughs> and you go there to, to, the, to, 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 to nowhere. You go to nowhere for a while. And you, let's say you will never know how Jew, And you come, you read the Bible, and you decide to practice. You will be, the person will do it, will look so strange. Nobody will know what he was doing. And he himself will not know what he was doing. So the, so the, so the Bible is the, is the history lesson of the Jewish people. The but Bible is the, is the book, but how to be a Jew is tradition. Right. The Talmud teaches us how to be a Jew. Absolutely. You nailed it, yes. That Rabbi Chie was busy with writing the prices. He was a very busy man. He was teaching, he was writing Torah, writing history. He was the disciple of Rabbi, and he continued the, the, the project, if you want. He had enough what to do in the, to a point that they say that a brighter was not taught by Rab Don't even pay attention to it. Still, he stole from his. He was very, he was very busy. He knew what is even more important. Continue. Um, You're in the middle now. Nevertheless, Rabbi yes. Chia did not suffice with his personal accomplishments. He made his own effort to teach Torah to Jewish children, thereby ensuring that Torah not be forgotten. Exactly. No, no, continue. Rabbi Chie made the effort to teach young children himself. He did not satisfy with um, dispatching uh, his students, of which he had plenty. After all, the Talmud says, in various times, it was taught in the Yeshua. Um, of Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Chia. Moreover, he. Uh, it means he had a yeshiva. That's the point. The Rabbi wants to make the point he had a yeshiva. He had students, right? Very he could send the student to teach, to teach the Torah in every yeshiva. He didn't have to go himself. He says, you, Yankel, go there. You, Moshe, go there. Right? He didn't have to do it himself. Moreover, continue. Moreover, he personally hunted deer to fashion the parchment upon which he would write the five books of yeah, the Torah. That's a very strange thing. He had to, he had to run and catch the deers. Couldn't have somebody else to hire somebody to do, catch the deers. Hmm and then to make the parchment, and then to write. I mean, let's say you want to be the one to go to teach Torah. Fine, I understand, but you have to be. Why was he busy with these things? Maybe he was sitting with you. Oh, well, let's continue. Okay. <laughs> with regards well, with to... to the actual teaching, it makes sense that the prefer, preferred to teach the children himself instead of sending his students. He thought the students are not good teachers, I'll do a better job. It makes sense, yeah. But to find dear efficient parchment for the scrolls, he, he no doubt could have sent his students to do it. Nevertheless, he made the personal effort to hunt the deer 
to uh, demonstrate the great and virtual and uh, vital importance of educating the Jewish children. Of Jewish education, he did it himself. Do it yourself. That's the whole message. Teaching one another. When Rabbi here taught the children, he immediately instructed them to teach each other. That's another point. First of all, the Rabbi said he did everything himself. He called the, 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 everything himself. To teach people, or start beneath my honor. Oh, yo, yo, I'm so busy, I'm so important. When it comes to Jewish, to educate Jewish children, you do it yourself. You get up and you do it and you do everything. No excuses. Here he says another point. The point here is what he says. What he did with them, continue, I'm sorry for stopping you. Each of the five students was tasked with teaching his book of the Torah to others, and each of the six were responsible to teach his volume of the Mishnah. In other words, from the very outset of the study, Rabbi here taught them to be lamplighters. He taught the students, right away he told them, I teach you Chumash Bereshis, I teach you Genesis, I teach them Exodus, I teach them uh, Leviticus, and then he tells everyone, you know it, now you teach others. A right way made from them teachers. What is this? It's what the Rebbe used to say always. You know Aleph, teach somebody else. People say, who am I to be a teacher? Mm -hmm. say, never say it. But you learn it more as you teach it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you only to inculcate it more solidly within them. You only identify with a message when you try to teach it to others. And you, some people tell me many times they try to explain a Jewish thing, and then they realize, oh, I can't believe I, I'm, so, I'm so into it. <laughs> and you teach it to others, you discover how much you are brainwashed yourself. <laughs> Continue, I'm sorry. This was a special to Rabbi here. He didn't suffice with learning Torah from Rabbi Yehuda and even being the compiler of all the uh, Baraitas. He personally went to the field to hunt deer for the skin upon which to write the five books of Torah to teach the children. In this regard, Rabbi Yehuda says, how great are the works of here. How great are the works of here. He did what, the, the main thing is the two points. First of all, he did everything himself, but number two, even more important, empowered others. He right away turned them into teachers. He never waited a minute. Go from, ahead. From Rabbi Yehuda's behavior, we learn uh, about the correct approach to spreading Torah. The Talmud says, you did not disseminate Torah like him, indicated that he is, is a par he is the paragon of someone who spreads Torah. He teaches us to engage with all levels of students, even those on the lowest possible level. We need to engage even with those who study Torah for all their own reasons, and like those who teach only those who rise in their honor while ignoring the rest. We need to teach Torah, Chumash, and Mishnah, even those who had no previous connection to Torah learning. Yeah, you want to continue? What he says basically here, that you learn from over here. You go everywhere, you teach everyone, you don't look, and you empower them right away. And you don't check how religious they are, how righteous they are, how this they are. The Torah is an unbelievable power to bring a person back. Oh, he doesn't deserve to learn, he should first do A, B, and C, then I'll teach him Torah. Every Jew in the world, you teach Torah. How much is the... The five books of Moses. Continue. Furthermore, the Hebrew word for disseminating, disseminating Torah, Tarbotza, is associated with the word Tarbitza, which means garden. A garden is a place of pleasure and delight. In other words, we must engage with others in a way of love and closeness, and obviously not the opposite, with anger, God forbid. Indeed, as we mentioned earlier during this gathering, the Tosfos emphasizes that the entire Talmud ends on a positive and uplifting note. Basically, the Rebbe points out, and when you go and you teach, if you really want to be successful, you have to teach it with enjoyment. You have to be excited about it. Mm -hmm. You have to enjoy it. You have to, be, you have to bring you pleasure and bring other people around you pleasure. Think about it. Which teachers you remember in school? Every kid, every person remembers one or two teachers. The teachers who loved you, number one, and the teachers who loved the subject. They enjoyed it. They were living. They were, you know, sometimes you have the science teachers who are a little off the wall, but they are excited. So they love to teach it. And, that you're, and usually it goes together, by the way. They love the subject and they love the student. And this is the teachers that you say, they, everyone can say one or two teachers in life in his all 
25 years of education, 20 years of education, who really had an impact on them. And the teacher who loved them, and a the teacher who loved teaching, loved the subject. And uh, then, actually, I don't think it's even necessary that teacher loves you. It's more, more, more than teacher yes. loves the subject that he is teaching, you know? Sure, but I think it's, if he's excited about it's the more. subject, the, the subject is, he enjoys to teach it, and everybody gets everybody right. electrified, excited about it. And that's what the Rebbe is saying. To be a good teacher, you have to do it yourself. Then you have to empower your students to become teachers. And when you do it, enjoy it. Don't come grumpy. Thank you all for joining.